on the ground, I'm fighting for life all day long as best I, I can, but not in a way that sacrifices my joy because I think we need that too. Hi, I'm Vicki Robin, host of What Could Possibly Go Right, a project of the Post Carbon Institute. Today, my guest on What Could Possibly Go Right is Victor Lee Lewis, and he is the founder and director of the Radical Resilience Institute and Radical Resilience Coaching and Consulting. He is a progressive life coach, trainer, speaker, and social justice educator who provides individual and group life coaching creates anti-racism educational communities and delivers keynote lectures. Victor brings a unique socially progressive vision to the work of personal growth, personal empowerment, and emotional health. And his work is the fruit of 30 years search for personal healing and social justice and nearly as many years of innovative practice in using liberatory educational approaches to bring healing and justice to others. He's best known for his inspiring leadership role in The Color of Fear, an unusually powerful video about racism, which received the Golden Apple Award for Best Social Studies Documentary of 1995 from the National Educational Media Association. And he's also done extensive postgraduate studies. He's a neurolinguistic programming master, uh, practitioner, NLP health practitioner, and EFT emotional freedom technique, advanced practitioner, et cetera, et cetera. Such a pleasure to talk to Victor. He lives in such a huge and spacious world and such a truthful world. And it was, I, I think you're going to find this inspiring and expansive and maybe confronting if there's some work that you haven't done. So here's Victor. Welcome, Victor Lee Lewis, to What Could Possibly Go Right, a project of the Post Carbon Institute. Uh, I started this inquiry a year ago about the structures of normal as they crashed around us. You know, COVID, George Floyd, Stop the Steal, January 6th, political polarization. Man, you name it, our chickens started coming home to roost. But here we are in 2021, and there's the trial of Derek Chauvin. Vaccinations are happening. A surprisingly progressive centrist president is in the White House, back to school, back to work, back to play, but we are not out of the woods. So surveying what is happening now, reading the tea leaves of this moment, looking at what is not what we wish, how would you answer our question? What could possibly go right? First of all, thank you for the invitation, Vicki. It's a real honor and a pleasure and my life's uh, work to respond to deep questions that I don't hear asked very often. That has been my uh, obsession since elementary school. I wanted to understand the world as a sixth grader, and I saw this book over in the corner, or uh, it was actually several volumes. It was called The World Book, and I would thought, that's it. If I read that book, I'm going to understand this world. So reading the uh, World Book Encyclopedia during free period in my, uh, I guess when I was 11 or 12 years old, gave me a broad interdisciplinary uh, frame for thinking about anything and everything. And, and, you know, I noticed the little, what they call the isomorphisms or the resonances between the nuclear protons and neutrons and the orbital electrons and the central sun 
and the orbital planets or, or the the planet in the orbital moons or the the central mass of a spiral galaxy and the arms uh, spinning around it and the cycle of a, a cyclone or is it a bathtub drain? Mm-hmm. So those were the kinds of questions and wonderings that uh, obsessed me as a as a child and consequently I had very little use for school. This background uh, prepared me very easily to accept some assumptions and presuppositions from the Club of Rome, whose books I started reading while I was a teenager, 15, 16 years old. Uh, I seem to be a verb in other works by Buckminster Fuller. I thought, of course, finally, somebody's making sense. <laughs> Why didn't they teach me this in junior high school? And so the collapse or the beginning of the unraveling of our uh, esteemed institutions, these economic and political and national structures, these racialized structures that we deeply believe in and and are entirely invented, are fictive, and they actually often uh, provide a a counterfeit to uh, what we want and need while we are believing, oh no, this is absolutely what I want and need. What I'm getting at is that it is, has always been necessary that these things fall apart. It is adaptive to welcome the uh, collapse of structures that are already dead or are headlong in the throes of killing us. The human fabric and the community of life can't bear another century of white supremacy. We can't bear another century of the nation state, not in the forms that that we, we have it now. We can't bear another century of patriarchy. We can't bear another century of Western Enlightenment based education. As you're no doubt aware, in every major failing institution, whether it be government, whether it be uh, the professions, whether it be religion, whether it be economics, we find that the best and the brightest minds in all of these areas of leadership are trained at hundreds of universities all over the world and their best effort, not as a bug, But as a feature, the best efforts of the cumulative order of knowledge represented by these networked temples of the same are leading the entire human family and the community of life over a cliff. Again, I have no use for uh, formal education. Uh, In fact, I have contempt for it. I'm like, no, look at what you did. (laughs) you produce nuclear weapons. I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. I'm appalled. Any child knows better than that. But grownups with formal education, and these these institutions are, are machinery of domestication for the wild human soul and the wild human body and the wild human body politic. To be collective and attuned and responsive doesn't mean that we have to be homogenized and domesticated. There are social animals in the insect world, in the mammal world, in the bird world that uh, clearly work together and also clearly wild, meaning that 
their uh, locus of action is what their insides tell them to do in response to what they see around them or what they sense in their immediate or if not uh, remote environments. And uh, human beings are having a, a hard time adapting to the world in that way. We have a tendency to fall in love with, with our maps, even when those maps become less and less useful and more and more problematic and eventually downright destructive. We start trying to beat the world into the shape of our maps rather than allowing our maps to adapt to uh, conditions on the ground so that we can navigate in a generative, in a, in a life-giving way, in a communally loving way. So I, I believe that, for example, the, what could go right with voter suppression and the laying bare of the fact that the old Jim Crow never went anywhere. And it is a national phenomenon. The old Jim Crow did not only exist in the South, it existed from sea to shining sea and still does today. It is again, one of those map mismatches with reality that allows liberal Northerners to imagine that racism as we know it, that's a Southern thing. Well, Derek Chauvin's uh, lynching of, of George Floyd was not a Southern thing, was it? So when I think about what could go right in Jim Crow 2021, I realized that the amount of organization that must go into yet again overcoming the intransigent, calcified, dead and deadening win-lose discourses of, uh, of white supremacy and our racialized democracy in which it's becoming abundantly clear freedom has always been construed in racial terms in the United States of America. And I never ever realized that liberty and freedom meant uh, liberty and freedom to enslave other human beings. Liberty and freedom to uh, grab the lands of indigenous people while enacting a, an informal policy and eventually a formal policy of genocide. So we need to, we need to unpack uh, and detox our notions of uh, freedom and liberty. Oh, and there's also the, you know, this racial contract means that it's a binding uh, mutuality between agreed upon subjects and citizens and selves, which again, women, queer folk, people of, uh, of color, black people, racialized others, be they Jews or Italians or Poles, Slavs, all of these uh, people are being caught up in a, a paradigm that inspires a reflex to embrace win-lose solutions as if our lives depend upon it, when in fact, win-lose solutions will guarantee our demise. Uh, we are clinging to exactly what could kill us and uh, whiteness as property is included in that. But in Georgia in particular, I'm excited because the movement to overcome Jim Crow a naked Jim Crow and uh, a naked old Jim Crow in 
in Georgia is exactly the kind of mutual, self-giving, compassion and love-based solidarity that we will need to have anyway. It's not as if we weren't going to have to work that hard already mm-hmm. just to survive as a species. And I believe yeah. that if, uh, as an attuned national community, if we can r- recognize the interdependence of all life with the voting rights of Black and brown people, and whether we are able to do that or not, if we're willing to say it's just not fair and it's not good for democracy and we're going to go ahead and produce whatever relational infrastructure, whatever uh, networks of solidarity, whatever channels of financial or human resource that needs to uh, come to bear in that state in order to break the back of Jim Crow there. I believe that it will uh, have a cascade effect that will break it everywhere despite the uh, horrific stacking of the courts all the way up to the supremacist court. I like how you refer to that terrible phrase to say you call a spade a spade. That's a terrible phrase, but you know, it's right, just right. like. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is. It's, there it is. It's a, it's a duck. It's, it's, it's quacking. It has feathers. <laughs> it has a flat bill and webbed feet. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I can feel it's almost like what, what I hear you saying is that it's almost like we have to keep going back into our addiction and keep screwing up and keep like spending the, the rent money. Like we have to keep hitting bottom. We, well, that's not bottom yet. Okay, we have to. And, and that, that basically this white supremacist society has to hit bottom. You know, you have been at this for so long and you've been knocking on the door of consciousness for half a century, really. And yet here we are again. So what lets you get up, dust yourself off and ask again, what could possibly go right? Where- Liberation is a nonlinear process. The, The story of the earth, the story of the human family, the story of the democratic experiment um, on Turtle Island in these United States, so-called. It is nonlinear. And I I think that we do ourselves a disservice by saying things haven't changed. It's like much has changed. Uh, It's like the bottom is getting near. That's a change. The bottoming is rising up to meet us. That's a big change. We won't have to keep arguing about global warming much longer. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a book, Buckminster Fullerian in that I have lost the will to get us to uh, recognize the urgency of our situation in advance. That it's like, well, if the feedback is not clear enough for you yet, then I guess we'll just uh, wait in sort of poised uh, readiness for when now, you know, is this fire clear enough or is that flood clear enough? Is Uh, this horrific ethnic cleansing war clear enough? I'm I'm remembering the the talking heads tune, uh, Life During War Times. Uh, You may say to yourself, this is not my beautiful house or this is not my beautiful life. And you may ask yourself, my God, what have I done? And I think we may be just as young and immature and willful a species 
that we won't be able to make adaptive changes, even if it's too late by then, uh, until we hear ourselves say, my God, what have I done? Right. And I'm not mad about that. I'm developing a sort of a Taoist approach to uh, social change. I'm just in the river. I'm in the flow. This is an infinite game. We're not trying to win it. We're not trying to complete it. We're in an infinite game that we want to keep going. I'm not trying to live forever. I'm trying to see that life lives forever. And I don't expect that it will happen all on this planet. You know, when the sun becomes a red giant, we're going to be inside of its body. That means there ain't going to be nothing happening here that's not about the red giant sun. So I'm, I'm looking in deep time, deep history, and in um, a, a broader frame of time and space as well. But on the ground, I'm fighting for life all day long as best I, I can, but not in a way that sacrifices my joy, because I think we need that too. I am so on that same page. As a matter of fact, I'll send you a link to a blog post I just posted. You know, I think the end says something about Life always looks at messes and says what could possibly go right. That's right. Life, life is a shanty town. Life is a, a rag picker. Life goes on is actually. Yeah. Life is busy sucking carbon dioxide and, and sending out this toxin of oxygen until the atmosphere gets so saturated that some clever creatures decide we need to figure out how to <laughs> how to use that instead exactly. of allowing ourselves to be poisoned by it. I and, have uh, one more question, you know, and just trying to keep us in our time frame, because you use a word that I use, you know, the hook I'm hanging my hat on, if you will, is maturation, that this mm-hmm. is a process of learning the limitations of your extraordinary powers and learning how to channel the extraordinary gifts you've been given in a way that is, you know, conforms to life. That's maturation. Yeah, it's a and, kind of a, a childhood's end, but I think it's more like the, the end of life in the womb, in the womb of self-centeredness and win-lose thinking and self-seeking rather than uh, stewardship of the, uh, of the whole. And that any, although it's happened billions of times just since we've been alive, it is always a, a, a high stakes process in which everything is on the line. And we have the deep intuition that everything that life is about and everything that is important somehow is summed up in this process of some minutes to some days. And it may not work out well, it often works out quite well. Uh, sometimes it's uh, messy even when it works beautifully and sometimes it doesn't work at all but we lovingly and courageously insist upon engaging in the uh, uh, generation of new life at whatever cost so i i'm i'm in the i'm like we are right uh, we are crowning right now <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> And this is this is where mom might say, "Oh, screw this! I'm not doing it. This is ridiculous. This is your me, kid." And it's you know, and all of the Carol Burnett jokes about uh, what giving birth is uh, was like that I enjoyed as a child, but thought she was just kidding about until I heard those things come out of uh, uh, <laughs> my partner's mouth, and I'm like, "It's real." 
the mind goes to a place where it's like it reaches its limit and starts uh, being ridiculous. But thank God, the birth process is not governed by the human ego. And that's totally. also where my, my settling is, that the adaptive potential of the life community is not uh, exhausted by the imagination of human beings. Or else not at all. Would get born. Well, most of us wouldn't get born, but <laughs> especially yeah. in the West. So I think that's where my, uh, my, where my hope lies, that if uh, we can wake up enough to cooperate with the inevitable, Mm-hmm. which is choose life or leave the stage. That's a good nostrum to wind up on. Choose life or leave the stage in every moment. It's always, it's always, every moment is always the leading edge. Choose life or leave the stage. And what can go right is the uh, invitation to choose life more deeply, more concretely and in more consequential ways. Absolutely. As things um, fall apart, uh, opening our hearts as well as our minds and taking courage may yet carry us through as it has in the past. Thank you so much, Victor Lee Lewis. You're singing my song. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review so that this hopeful message can get out to more people. Check out Post Carbon Institute's Resilience website for show notes and for more guest information. Join us on Patreon and become a financial supporter of the show and for exclusive content and special online events. Thanks also to Cher Miller, Amy Burringrood, and Clara Winter of Post Carbon Institute, plus production assistant Michelle Wig from frugalityandfreedom.com.